Welcome to the Delta Flyers. I'm your host, Garrett Wong, and of course, my co-host, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil. Well, hello there. Hello, hey, man. sir. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you hello, today? Hello. I'm okay. Um, I'm wearing, as you can see. Oh, nice. For those of you there. listening, I have a new Delta Flyer shirt on. So, very, uh, yeah. very bright and poppy, and well, it's white, which is you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of white shirts, uh, but, but we'll it looks see. good. Yeah, we'll see. I think we'll it looks see. good. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm wearing my uh, Wander North Georgia hat. It's a little company out of North Georgia, in Georgia, where hmm. I live. They make sort of outdoorsy things, and this is sort of a, a hat uh, in the style of the National Park Service. It's got like orange and. But anyway, I it's love very this cool though. I like it. I and love you this also hat. you love it also because it's orange. And that's yes. something that I've discovered from this doing this podcast with you is that that's one of your favorite colors. Orange is, yes. And I never I never knew that. Like the entire time that we were working on Voyager, never once did you say, Hey man, or or if you were saying it, you'd be like, Hey man, I love orange. And uh <laughs> no, you never said that. So uh <laughs> I don't know when I discovered that orange is one of my favorite colors, but it is. All my glasses cases are orange. My my cell phone. Here we go. I'm holding that up. Orange case. You should yeah. have been on Orange is the New Black with Kate. I should have been. I really should have been. Yeah. I like oh orange. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We orange should make an a- orange Delta Flyer shirt. <laughs> or hat or something. Or hat. We could do a hat. Okay. But no, you know, no, I'll tell you what. An orange shirt, why not? Why, why not? not, right? <laughs> In reference to you and how much you love it, to honor your, you know, yeah. uh, your Let's favorite color, why we should do an orange shirt at some point. That's a good, okay. that's, I never thought of it, but here we go. Here this is what go. happens here on the Delta go. Flyers. Here we go. We just, we, go. Uh, we just come up with these amazing ideas, and before you know it, there'll be an orange shirt. So this week's episode is Rise. Rise, yes. Or I could say Rise. I could spell it the French way. Rise. Nice. We didn't but, have any fancy. Well, we had vis-a-vis. That was sort of a vis-a-vis. Yeah, and that was. A, I'm trying to think yeah. of titles that weren't like English words or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Rise. Yes. I uh, I am very excited about this because I know we've talked to Ethan Phillips and to Tim Russ, and uh, whenever we've mentioned uh, you know these recaps, this is one episode they both have said is one of their favorites. Hmm. So uh, I'm excited to review this one. This is going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Let's go watch this episode, okay? Let's and go then, watch uh, Rise. I'm very excited. Me too. Uh, I'm excited because Tim and Ethan are excited. So okay. let's go do it. Excellent. Let's go do it. All right. Patreon patrons, stay tuned for your bonus material. Hey, guys. We're back from watching Rise. Yes, we're now settling rise. down. We Can you rose, rise with me? We rose, and now we're coming back down to Earth <laughs> to talk about our journey. Yeah, all right. Yes. Okay, so before we start with our yes. recap, let's let's do our poetry synopsis. Okay. Uh, yeah, so tell us, what is your haiku for Rise? Here we go. Let me mm. get to the haiku. This was a... I, I'm pretty proud of this. I think this captures... The whole episode, really, the heart of the episode. So here we go with my haiku, because huh. that's what poetry does. It really distills okay. to the essence. Here we go. Yeah. For the episode of Star Trek Voyager, Rise, 
our haiku synopsis. Neelix wants to help. Tuvok has no faith in him. Together they win. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I, I like feel it. I feel pretty. That's what I'm saying. Like, that one, it's yeah, just, that was that was. A, it's like clean. Mm-hmm. It gets it. Yeah, I feel that pretty was good about clean it. Clean and crisp. Yes. You know, if you're if you're able to give an adjective, I'm gonna. That's not an adjective you would typically use. Crisp is how that one came. Yes. Well, right. limericks are much more complex. So they are. They uh, are. Let's get ready for your complicated okay. limerick. Okay, here we go. Neelix assigned to Tuvok's rescue mission. Crash leaves all in a dire situation. Carriage flies, Vadim dies. Vulcan logic loses to intuition. There you go. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> thank you. I thank you. You're getting better and better and better at this. I, I took a lot of time. More yes. time than people will actually know. I mean, this is this is uh, I, this is. I would have to say that the time it takes me to recap or or watch an episode, yes. it's longer for me to come up with the limerick than it is for me to and actually to watch the whole episode. Yes, yes, yes. that's are, all I'm gonna say. You're almost done. You're almost <laughs> three. And then I will jump back to the wacky limericks. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not afraid. Thank you so Um, much. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Story by Jimmy Diggs. Teleplay by Brandon Braga. And directed by Robert Shearer, who I, sorry, I don't remember him at all. This is bad. What does he look like? You know what's funny that you say that? I I don't really remember him either. I remember the name. I remember that he was involved in Star Trek. I bet, I, I think... He directed, you know, maybe between all the different Star Treks, a dozen or more episodes. I mean, he directed a bunch of them, but yet I don't really remember him. I, I got to be I'm honest. I'm typing his name into the- Try uh, to find a, yeah, a photo or something? Yeah, I see this guy, definitely, because it really bothers me that, wait, is this ringing a, a bell? A little bit, yes, a little bit. Like the one in the sitting in the director's chair, or the one in the blue, that photo in the blue. Yeah, that looks a little closer to what I remember. But honestly, I, I don't remember him very well. I think he no. was a bit of an old timer director, meaning he had you know been doing this for decades. And yeah, was nearing probably the later years of his his directing career. I, uh. I don't remember Bob Sure at all, but I remember the well. name. Let's just say he uh, he was also an actor. So um, December oh, wow. 28th, 1929 was when he was born in Santa Barbara, California. Wow. And he passed away March 3rd, 2018. So um, this is wow. a few years ago that Mr. Shearer passed away. And I'm so sorry to his memory that I cannot recall anything about um, I know. him directing us. Or I even how he, if I don't even think I had we any had a interactions. lot of directors him. come through, though. We really had a lot of directors. And uh, yeah. And but if, you know, if he was kind of a quiet personality, I bet maybe we just, you know, maybe. Uh, I know, we but should, I, should, I feel the same way. Come on. I, we, I should, we, should, we should be better than that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we should be better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Diggs. Anything to say about Jimmy Diggs? Um, no, just that, you know, over the years, Jimmy has always been. Uh, uh, someone who I've seen, like he'll he'll show up at different conventions that I've really? been at, yeah, and he'll just say, "Hey, Garrett, Jimmy Diggs here," and he's you know one of those people who have sold stories to 
Star Trek, you know, over and over I bet, again. So I bet a lot of fans have met him then if he, yes. if he goes to conventions and oh, yes. he's there and, yes. and participates, mm-hmm. that he's probably met a lot of fans and right. told a lot of great stories. Right. Didn't we uh, talk about the Samantha Wildman connection? Like it, it was someone who had a uh, liver transplant, tr- oh, transplant that's or something right. like, along that's those right. lines that he came, he, uh, he was the one that came up with that name, I think. It was, I think it was a real life person. Like right. Yeah, he's made a lot of contributions. I've never met Jimmy that I can recall, but... Okay. And then, so he would sell the story. He'd pitch the story to the producers. Mm -hmm. And uh, Star Trek was one of the last places where outside people would pitch. We've talked about this a little. Would pitch stories. And if uh, they liked the story idea, then they would pay them money. They'd buy it from them. And then they would go write it with the writers on staff. So that's why Brandon wrote this this script. Yeah, and that pitch can be very short and succinct or it could be more detailed right i mean yeah. it's an outline of what he believes the story to be and mm-hmm. then of course brandon is the one who writes all the dialogue or puts into the dialogue and the setting yeah. and everything the teleplay um all right so we open up the very first scene on a view yes. a view screen image of a lone asteroid tumbling and hurtling toward a random yes. planet very dramatic very asteroid dramatic. headed mm-hmm. towards and a very dramatic shot by Bob Scherer, the director. Yes. It starts on Paris and kind of pans over towards towards Tuvok. And then yeah. we see some alien visitors on our bridge. And then right. the captain stands up and she walks towards the view screen, this dramatic asteroid shot. And mm-hmm. then she suddenly looks very, very thoughtfully at the screen and says, okay, fire or something. And she said, right. you know, or go or I don't remember exactly what she said, but here's what I remember. Do it. Something like that. Yeah. But when she says that, it's very dramatic. Mm-hmm. And then we cut outside and Voyager fires a photon torpedo or something yeah. yep. and blows this thing up mm-hmm. and it breaks into pieces. And then we hear, uh-oh, all of these um, fragments, it, instead of disappearing and and in, you know, incinerating there. Vaporized. Broken. That's the word you're looking for. That's the vaporized. Word I'm looking for. Instead yes. of vaporizing, it actually breaks into chunks. And now there's a bunch of chunks heading toward yep. the planet. Mm-hmm. And that's not cool. That's no, not very good. we don't not... want chunky funky right now. Uh-uh. That's what's happening. We don't want All that stuff chunks. flying. No. I gotta say, I gotta say, <laughs> Janeway, you know, in her instinctual, and maybe this is part of the theme, We'll get to that, but you know, there's no science. It's not like she says, you know, at certain coordinates, fire this thing. Like we haven't really thought through the science of blowing this thing up. We're just going to kind of blow it up when we, when we feel it. Like she's literally (laughs) just kind of walking and looking and then, okay. Like if we had blown it up a long time before, these fragments wouldn't be crashing on the planet and potentially killing thousands of people. So again, Janeway's like going with her gut. I'm okay. just gonna walk up. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna feel it. All right. right about now, that okay. like out of the gate, I was like, not again, <laughs> Janeway. You're going with like your gut instead of going. Let's figure out the telemetry. Let's figure out the mass and the weight and all of this. Let's know what we're doing before we do it. It's just mm. like, nope. Let's dive right in and blow this thing up. And right. That was. Uh, I I like your theory. I like your theory. Me. Okay. Well. What, you know, what bugged me, or it, did, it didn't bug me, but it pulled me out a little bit, is the establishment of the aliens, you know, the first time that we see these two aliens, and I'm just looking at them. One's the, one is the ambassador, and the other yeah. is 
uh, we later find out he's an exogeologist is who he mm -hmm. is. So, you know, two people in civil service, basically. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, huh, first of all, we don't even know who they are that we don't, there's no nope. mention of their name until later, 10 minutes left in the episode, Janeway says this space belongs to the Nizu. So now we know they're called the yeah. Nizu, but we don't yeah. learn that to the end. We don't, we so, don't know that for no, most of the episode. No, but what exactly. pulls me out every time I look at any actor playing a Nizu is that what I call a skin goatee. So it looks like a goatee on their chin, yeah. but it's, it's made of skin, their skin. And it's, it's kind of like, um, I'm looking at some type of lizard almost, you know, how, how, how it has like a, a I, I lizard can say, have a little bit of a chin I there. I love this, uh, this makeup. makeup. And I love Mike Westmore. He's a genius. Mm. And the whole department's they're geniuses. This one, I didn't love. It felt a bit derivative. It mm -hmm. felt like, I don't know. It just felt, uh, I, I don't know. So it pulled you out as well a little bit. Yes. It did. The makeup okay. pulled me out a little. The fact yeah. that we didn't know who these people were, mm -hmm. but we see them there and we, and then, um, you know, we realized that this uh, these fragments landed in the desert, we find yeah. out. Thank God, the remote it, desert region, right? Remote, mm -hmm. yes, the, the Western deserts or something. And, Correct. And it's created this giant dust cloud and contaminated debris. Mm -hmm. We also realized that there's another asteroid heading in. And this one is headed to the coastal region where mm -hmm. there's 5,000 citizens in the city near, near that path. And that there are a dozen more uh, asteroids heading this way. This is a huge natural disaster. Yep. In the six making. hours, six hours until the next asteroid is going yep. to appear. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then they get a sudden communication from the planet. It's very broken up. It's the staticky mm -hmm. kind of message. And I think his name was Dr. Vartram, Vartum. It's Vatum. Vatum, so, thank you. Like V-A-D-I-M. But I think uh -huh. if you look at um, scripts of Voyager online, it's spelled V-A-T-M. So there's not even a Vatum. consonant okay. between the last two. Yeah, Dr. Vatum. I couldn't Vatum. quite understand because it was a broken up message. That I gotta like tell you, man. To me or something, yes, there's maybe. a lot. There's same for me. This entire episode was me rewinding, going, "What was that guy's name again? I, wh yeah. What did he just say it was again?" And we'll get to that point when we talk about the other people. Um, so, Dr. Vadim's message. He's the most prominent astrophysicist. Um, he says the asteroids are not what they seem. They are composed of some type of artificial, artificial materials. Material, yes. Yes. Right. And then. The transmission is lost. Mm -hmm. Art, so we kind of get part of this thing. They can't uh, find the location of this signal because there's right. too much interference. Right. So Janeway decides to send out three shuttle rescue teams. Mm -hmm. He's like, let's uh, let's get this going. And Chakotay uh, tells Balana. He calls to Balana on the comm and says, "Beam aboard some samples of that asteroid so that we can analyze it and see what." what's going on, why this thing didn't vaporize. Correct, I have a question um, for you. Before she yeah. um, beams, uh, before they beam over the, the fragments, before she sends the rescue teams, there mm -hmm. is some concern by the ambassador that Janeway you know, may not be able to help any further. And so she says, mm, in for a penny, in for a pound. And she yes, says, she it's does. a human expression. I'm just gonna ask you, is this an expression you grew up with? Oh yeah, I've heard this. Expression. Really? Okay. Yeah. I've never heard. It's, I mean, it probably not, goes back to like England, old England, or something. I suppose. Yeah. You know, a pound is like uh, is, is money. Correct. In England, so I don't think it has to do with weight. I think it's right. in for a, in for a penny, in for a dollar, like whatever. Understood. Like if I'm going. I'm going all in. Yeah. So but I. Go, I've, yeah, I've yeah. just. I've never really. I've never really heard anyone use that in America. Mm -hmm. I've in heard it. Country, but you have heard, heard it. it. Heard it. Okay. It's official. Um, okay. <laughs> 
we go. So by the way, Janeway has got a hairdo that's like kind of half bun of steel yeah. and half, you know, party in the back. So it doesn't uh, know what it wants to do. It doesn't know what right? it wants to do. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a, a flattering, you know, it's flattering. It's not as, a, as, as formal. Uh, as some of her hairdos, but I, I was like, oh my God, here's another hairdo. So is that uh, her version of a mullet? So she's business up front and then party in the back? Party in the back. It okay. was a bit of, it was a bit of a mullet, Janeway mullet, <laughs> I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to sick bay hmm. and Neelix is rushing in and he is high as a kite. He's like so <laughs> excited. He is talking so fast. Yeah. Super excited to go on this mission. Nervous uh, is what I'm gonna say. He's nervous. And nervous mm. to be teamed with Tuvok, he yeah. says. Yeah. And I love um, and by the way, he's in there with Kess and the doctor. Mm -hmm. And um it was just odd to me that like we're on Kess's back. I don't think we ever saw her face. Yeah. She offers to get him, you know, some medical supplies mm -hmm. or something, and she leaves, and there's just no you know, for the love story of Neelix and Kess that was. Yeah. Yes. It, it was an odd interaction because yeah. it was nothing intimate or personal or like Kess knew him. She didn't hold his hand and say, she didn't acknowledge the fact that he was acting yes. crazy. Yeah. Uh, she just said, I'm, I can get you this thing and she, right. off she goes. It was, a, it was an odd exchange, I thought, with Kess and Neelix there. I, I agree, but it's it goes both it's and it's both ways. It's not just yeah. how Kess reacts to Neelix, but it's how Neelix uh, is showing how he is around her, which he doesn't show anything that he had any type of relationship with her in the past. Um, and same with her. So it's almost as if both sides had no recollection of their prior relationship. Unfortunately. No, there was nothing right? in this. Yeah. There was no lines no. to address that. And no. I know it may not be the focus or the time and place for it, but it just, it, it threw me a bit. Like, of oh, course, strange. it just would have been nice if they tracked it a little bit. Just, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be a big moment, but just a hand touch or anything like that, where there is a little bit of sensitivity and sort of like, hey, you used to be the love of my life and I still care about you kind yeah. of a emotion. Yeah. It could have been nonverbal and that would have been fine, but they didn't track it. That's it could have sure. been even looks, but there was no looks. coverage. There were no shots nope. of, to cover that. No. of Kess. To, yeah. to look at him and to play that moment. So. Right. And also, this is Shearer's first time directing us. I don't remember his name on the director list until this point, right? Yeah, I think and this so may be the first one. If this is his first time, I'm sure nobody debriefed him. And, oh, by the way, these two characters broke up. He wouldn't have yeah. known that. So yeah. he wouldn't have known. It's not on him, I don't think. All right, so let's um, move on. I, I love the doctor's line, by the way, when he yeah. says, may I suggest a tranquilizer? <laughs> because Neelix, <laughs> is, Neelix is so wound up and nervous yeah and he says he's he's uh nervous to be teamed with tuvok that he doesn't seem to ever be able to do anything right right and the doctor just says look just relax you're not even you don't have to do anything because you're yeah. just there as an observer oh yeah you don't you don't need to you know do anything right or wrong just just watch you're in training basically can um, i just tell you where my mind was going when i was watching this scene between those two yeah uh I immediately thought about the fact that both of them auditioned for the other person's role. Oh, so yeah. Bob Picardo initially auditioned for Neelix and Neelix auditioned for the doctor. And I was just imagining how these two actors would have played this scene if the roles were reversed. Oh, interesting. And it was Bob Picardo coming in as Neelix all frantic. And yeah. then, you know, we have Ethan Phillips, the doctor, the shorter in stature doctor looking up to the frantic, you know, uh, lanky, taller Neelix, right? And then uh, the way that Bob would have played that would have been a very interesting take on that for sure. 
So uh, we cut to the shuttle ride. Uh, Tuvok is piloting the shuttle. Mm -hmm. And um, our alien visitor, which we'll learn later, is Sklar. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is the, here we go. First, they, when he said Mr. Neelix is in the shuttle, and he turns to him and he says, I thought he said Mr. Spock. I go, Mr. Spock, what? And then right. I rewind it. I guess Mr. Scrog is what I heard. But then <laughs> I looked at the script and it's Mr. Sklar. It's S-K-L-A-R. Just this whole episode is what? What was the name again? It, it just mm -hmm. no one pronouncing anything clearly. Yeah. And there were a lot of uh, guest roles in this. A lot of. Yes. A lot it's, of uh, it, yeah. a lot of guys, and I, it's almost like you know. In this scene, the issues with the shuttle happen because they're entering a layer of electrodynamic turbulence. There's all types of interference and stuff going on, and I almost feel like that's what's going on for this entire time. That someone says any name, there's interference and turbulence from yes. us hearing what that name hearing is. Anybody's name, correct? Yeah, yes. or not? Okay. Uh, Tuvok says as the as they hit some really rough turbulence, and by the way, there was one moment where the camera kind of tilted, you know, Dutch sideways yep. and, and turned sideways to suggest the shuttle is really descending out of control. And I loved how they both sort of leaned against the wall mm -hmm. and they were all playing that that uh, action there because the shuttles are just sets that sit flat. Yeah. So all the shaking, all the leaning, all of that the actors have to do. And I thought they did a, a great job in that moment. There's some other moments later on where I, I had some issue with the the environment <laughs> yes can you take a quick second to explain to our viewers what you mean by dutch uh the word dutch yeah, there's a there's a, a type of shot where you take the the frame and instead of keeping the horizon level you twist it sideways so that it it's it's a it's a kind of framing used often in horror films um i don't know why it's called dutch it probably has to do with some old European filmmaking. Maybe the Dutch filmmakers a hundred years ago started shooting this way, <laughs> but it just adds a dynamic kind of angle to the horizon, and so the so the camera will turn like forty five degrees sideways or something. Is it always a forty five degree, or can you do a less of a Dutch? You could can do you less, do a thirty percent Dutch? Yeah, then? you could okay. do a, a slight Dutch, or a, mm -hmm. you know, you could go go as, as <laughs> 90 degrees you do a 90 want. degree so a 90 degree would that probably still be, be dutch much. that'd okay, probably be like much. a yeah that'd be a little far <laughs> it's too far okay let's continue i just want you to explain that to people yeah right. so on the um the bridge we go back to the bridge mm -hmm. and uh, they realize that this shuttle is uh is uh you know having trouble and they feel like that we may have a team down chakotay says and Harry's yes. trying to reach them. He said, I can't reach them. There's yep. too much interference. By um, the way, this is the first time we see Harry in focus. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in the, the very first, Yeah, it's because the first bridge scene, you have Chakotay talking about what's going on. And it just shows him in the foreground and Kim's in the background. Yeah. Out of focus, speaking, and they never rack focus over to Kim. Well, so I, is... I got to say with, with Tom Paris, mm. just to talk about our characters for a minute, yeah. I think I was in the opening shot at the top of it. And then I think that may be it because Paris is supposedly on one of these shuttle- um, Oh, rescue missions, yes. Rescue mission. That's and right. so we only hear him later on. Yeah, that's right. from the shuttle. We don't even cut to him. <laughs> you don't even like, <laughs> Nah, we saw him in that first scene and that's about it. That's, I don't- I, That's good enough. We, I don't remember if we see him at the true. end. But I, I don't feel so bad now. Thank you for- no. Yeah, it's just your audio. They didn't- Barely they didn't even, there. They didn't even cut to you inside nope. the uh, the shuttle. <laughs> nope, just a phone call. Okay. 
Um, All right. Yeah, so they Harry can't reach him. We go to engineering and they have some asteroid debris. And I have a question for you. Hmm. I took a photo of this. Oh, where is it? There it is. Who is that? What is his name that's standing behind Roxanne? Do you remember that extra? He was oh, on our show God. all the time, but I, yeah. I, I was like, what is his name? Oh man, I can't remember his Somebody name. Somebody out there, if you're, you know, those uh, that have the video of this, uh, there's some homework for you because I can't remember, but he was always around. Yeah, he was. Um, he was. Um, we really got to know those guys uh, on a pretty, you know, good basis except we i can't know remember his name I'm surprised so, they can't yeah. remember his name because he uh, was there for years and mm -hmm. yeah it's funny some of them were more talkative than others you know some of our stand-ins obviously that stood right. for our characters when they were right. writing but but our show's unique though in that because we're stuck in the delta quadrant we have the same set of crew and it's the same set of background actors we use same the, the same people over and over again whereas a lot of shows you know, background or just it changes every week. You know, there's yeah. never the same background person. So, yeah. um, yes, it's so bad. I can't remember that guy's name. I can't go I know. All right. So they've got the, they do have the asteroid uh, fragment. So we know that that's on board. They've gotten mm -hmm. it. And we go back to the shuttle and it is dark. And, and we see Tuvok sort of waking up. Yeah, they've crashed already, right? They've so they've crashed. They've landed. crashed. Mm -hmm. and, and he wakes up and we hear some banging on the, mm -hmm. you know, we don't know what it is. Banging and banging. Yes. And we, we go, uh, we see him get up and mm -hmm. goes back to hit the, open the, the hatch and yeah. the big loading door starts to go down. And I thought that was a super cool moment, like to feel this dark shuttle sort of get opened up. You're yeah. inside that experience of being yeah. in a crash car or crash shuttle or whatever. Yep. And it's black and it's smoky. And then all of a sudden that back door opened and you just saw this bright planet lights and the rocks oh, yeah. and yeah and uh, i just thought that was kind of cool so the door opens and guess what it's dr vadam we don't we don't even need to find him he's there and he's, he's there with hanjuan he yes and he says by the way he goes yeah i heard what sounded like a ship crashing yeah so we came i was like wait a minute what right yeah what what does a ship crashing sound like how does in the middle of asteroids crashing on your planet yeah. and you know uh, hazardous dust clouds everywhere yeah. And, yeah. and a natural disaster yeah how did you kind of go oh that sounded like a ship crashing nearby that <laughs> yeah. was bizarre i don't know he should have said one. i saw the shuttle crash right because you can see a shuttle if you're looking up but he should have said hear... i saw saw it or he just didn't don't know he said I, he said he heard he said he heard and he goes he the same thing yeah, happened to the other guy. He heard it too. You and could I, and say any of that, but I don't think he needed to. Just like no. on the door and we're here. Like No, right. Yeah. So the other guy's name is Han Juan, which to me is very Korean sounding. Han, Han Juan. Juan yeah. yeah. So Han Juan is the um, miner. So he's a yes, miner he's, at a nearby Galasite. Yeah, the Galasite excavation. He's the muscle man. Uh -huh. He's, he's the, the heavy. Man. Right. Um, so Tuvok basically commands Neelix to go outside and inspect the toroidal antenna to see if any of the signal relays were damaged. Yes. By the way, before Neelix goes out, before yes. Tuvok says do this, they ask about the asteroid and he refuses. Oh, What's that's his right. Name? Yes. Vadim? Vadim. Vadim. Vadim, mm -hmm. Vadim uh, says. Uh, that's classified. I can't talk about it. Right. Sklar is the one who asks him that. He's like, tell us yeah. what happened. What do you know about the asteroids? He's like, mm, can't talk about it. Yeah. Mum's the word, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is a little weird. Um, and Tuvok commands Neelix to go outside and inspect yep. the toroidal antenna to see if any of the signal relays were damaged. 
And then Neelix tries to uh, show Tuvok that he is capable, that he is worthy. And he says, oh, that's fine. If they're damaged, I'll just repair them. And Tuvok says, no, 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 no. Just give me the damage report. Yeah. But Neelix is you know, still trying to convince him. He says, look, I've been studying with Balana. I know I can do this. And yeah. Tuvok puts his foot down. He's, he's like, nope, you can't. You don't yeah. have that capability. I don't trust you. Um, so Neelix goes out kind of, kind of bummed out, you know, that he yeah. kind of got dismissed. Uh, we have that quick, funny comedic moment where, where Tuvok says, Mr. Neelix. And he's like, and I'm going right now. So he yeah. heads outside. Right. And uh, he's, he's using his tricorder and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then he notices <gasps> there's a tether. There's a an orbital tether, yeah, anchored orbital nearby. Orbital tether that's leaving the planet's surface right. and going up into the atmosphere. Yeah, um, so he runs in. Yeah, he runs back in. Yep. And uh, he explains what he saw, and he says, you know, this is like maglev technology, which right. is actually a thing. You know, this is real science. And, and, and I think there has been, you know, NASA studies and things about trying to create something like that with satellites yeah. or orbital stations around earth so this is a cool i mean kind of based on real yeah i, I mean if you look at that well the technology that we have now is we yeah. have very high speed type of bullet trains that are on that you know rest on maglev type technology now as we speak yeah. right so if we have that going horizontally why can't we engineer it so it goes vertically right it should be able to do that if you have it's enough in, th in theory in theory right i think yeah. it's really interesting even yeah. though it's it's kind of at times in this episode i found it to to be feel a little goofy for you know and right the limitations of vis effects and yeah that building and things like that but I, yeah. I was fascinated by this idea i think it's a really cool idea in reality that we mm -hmm. could instead of wasting you know tons of fossil fuels for you know uh rocket fuel to you know propel us up through the atmosphere why not create something that's much more efficient and you could get things out of off of uh, planet earth and out to outer space free of and gravity you and you're good to go once yeah. you're past it yeah yeah that's true so neelix sees this as a way out right and yep. dr vadim uh corroborates the fact that yes this is a orbital tether we use it to lift cargo from the surface to our mm -hmm. orbital supply stations using magnetic leverage to lift the carriage um and then you know the then we find out that this tether is over 300 kilometers long that's mm -hmm. that's over two-thirds of the way between LA and Las Vegas, basically. Yeah. And if you imagine how high that is going up, that's crazy and it'll take forever. But then Neelix says, look, we don't even need to go to the end of it. We just need to get above the ionosphere. We need to get above the interference that's kind of just uh, yeah. blocking us from contacting Voyager, right? So and then we can contact them and they'll beam yeah. us out. That's all mm -hmm. we got to do. Mm -hmm. Vedum says the carriage was damaged on the last impact from the asteroids. Um, the induction coils are offline. The Neelix, you know, using his brain discovers mm -hmm. a suggestion or solution. He says, look, we can replace the coils with attitude control thrusters from the shuttle. I mean, it'll take some reworking, but I think I can do this. And Neelix says he yep. spent two years on a tether maintenance team on Rhinax and the principles are the same. And Tuvok says, well, you know, the best chances of uh, us being detected by Voyager or another rescue team is to just to just remain here not going to a tether mm -hmm. and whatever. Mm -hmm. And Neelix, again, pleased to Tuvok, listen, I've rebuilt a dozen maglev carriages. I have the experience. 
If I can't get it to work, then we can come back and wait for the others. And so Tuvok agrees. But again, he's this whole thing- He's very insistent on- Yes. And Neelix is very insistent on, I've done this before. I know mm -hmm. all about this. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be important later on. So- Right, uh, right. Yeah. So Tuvok reluctantly agrees to Neelix's plan. And, yep. uh, you know, that enthusiasm we saw in sickbay and his excitement to get out there and not just be an observer- but mm -hmm. start putting together some of these things he's learned from Bolana and, mm -hmm. and all of his uh, Starfleet training. Mm -hmm. uh, he's excited to put it to use. So he talks uh, Tuvok into it. And uh, yeah. And the next thing we see is this dark sort of station. It's the base station for this. The tether. Uh, the tether base station. Mm -hmm. And they come in and Tuvok gets the lights going, gets the power running again. And uh, I love this this set, uh, the base station part, because they had that big magnetic ball in the center with the lights <laughs> on it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was a cool design. It just looked mm. really cool. It looked like a like a, at a planetarium or something like yeah. this. You would see with the you know projectors and and things. I thought that was very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so they get the lights on. And they're in this uh, uh, tether base station, and suddenly a woman appears. We'll learn that her name is Lilius. Mm -hmm. And she grabs Neelix and sticks a knife up to his throat. By the way, that looked like a Klingon knife that we recycled <laughs> that she was holding. I was like, really? Can we make a different shape? I'm sure I would put money on the fact that that was used as a Klingon weapon uh, at I... some point. Yeah, because it has, because it kind of has that a bit of a blood groove going on there. It yes. has the two two blades in it. I thought, hey, this is kind of Klingon esque, and, and yeah. what a fancy knife for this random Nizu uh, alien to have yes. <laughs> on her person, right? It's like, oh, okay. I also, I also thought that that you know Klingon adjacent knife um, <laughs> was was oddly in the hands of someone who yeah. looked kind of like Balana in some weird ways like she had kind of the brown hair i, I saw later oh, on oh yeah longer. but the way that the makeup on the forehead and yeah. all of it like just something about her her aesthetic yeah was kind of balana-esque yeah you know? and then to okay. have a klingon knife in her hand i was just like i wish i wish they had distinguished her look mm. uh, a little more right from looking similar to balana that was uh, my one of my first thoughts um, okay Got yeah. you. Um, so Neelix at knife point is explaining to her, along with Tuvok and everybody else, hey, 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 we're not trying to, you know, butt in on your space here. I know you've claimed this area, but we're trying to save basically the uh, our lives and yours too. And we're yep. trying to get this thing to work, you know? And Neelix uh, finally convinces her that she doesn't need to. Well, yeah, she keeps saying, well, you can't do it because the oxygen regenerator is broken and he's got right. a solution for that. And she yeah. says another problem and he's got a solution for that. Yeah. And he really, um, yeah. uh, you know, pleads with her and, and gains her. I think he is the one that gains her trust. And yeah. she finally, because uh, she's like, everything's broken. It's not yeah. going to work. Right. Um, he's got all the fixes. Right. And, uh, and, and he pulls her in that, that the lovely moment at the end, he pulls her in. He goes like, look, you know, um, uh, what do you, you know, you must know a lot about, uh, you know, mm -hmm. these carriages. And she goes, well, not really. I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm a foundry worker. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's great. You know, because we need someone with metallurgical knowledge. So he, he takes lemons and he makes lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. I liked, I liked that a lot. There was a part of me at that point where I was like, 
oh god is he gonna have a romance story i couldn't remember and then right well you're saying it didn't happen but i do see it right under the surface though i do see this as sort of a b story uh, romance for neelix there's a little um basis of of a relationship going on here where i think if they let it if they explored it further it would have been more but you know I think we're now moving into the science station, the rarely used science station on Voyager, I, right? Is that what it was? I yeah. was like, where are we? I <laughs> didn't the... know what, so yeah, Balana's in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're trying to break open this, uh, this a fragment of the asteroid. Yeah. And I gotta say there were some lights that were coming down like on the wall, the yeah. disco lights. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, what, where are we? And why are those lights like so distracting? The disco lights are in Club Tuvok, remember? Oh, I they're not so. They're not they in should, the science station. Yeah, they should stay in Club Tuvok. <laughs> yeah. Um, Torres basically analyzes with her tricorder um, the fragment and she discovers that there is triadium and alloy is detected, which is very mm-hmm. strange. Chakotay, upon breaking open the fragment, he finds there are things inside which are not natural, and it is actually a control node for a guidance system. So these are not true asteroids because they are being guided towards a target. And that's yeah. when we realize, dun, 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 there's something going on. Yes, very, very uh, mysterious. Yeah. So we go back to the planet, and now they are um, in the carriage. They're in the uh, te- well, they're still in the tether base station at this point, right? Oh, are because they? they yeah, because they haven't gotten into the they're trying to get everything ready. Oh, right that's there, right. right. They're still so, in the tether base station, yes. but the but the carriage is right there. Yes, the but, carriage is right there. Um, but I realized as they were moving around, that's right, because in in this set, I, I made a note that this was the Unity set. Oh, was, really? Yeah, Same they one. had repurposed this. i ah. I could guarantee it as I looked at it. I was like, I really yeah. think. That mm-hmm. this was the Unity set. The dimensions were the same, right? It Everything seemed just very seemed, similar. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of the the angles okay. and things to me okay. looked a lot like it. They still need to get the oxygen converters working. They talk about right, and and Neelix, everybody's working to get things mm-hmm. fixed up. And Neelix has a wonderful conversation with Lilius. Yeah, because she's and... having issues getting a power relay online. So Neelix yep. just comes over and sort of plays the hero a little bit and recalibrates the pressure yep. valve, fixes the issue. And after uh, he talks about after finishing building a tether on Rhinax, they would always name the maglev carriage for good luck. And he mm-hmm. asks her, trying to collaborate with her, any suggestions? She has none. And he says, well, maybe Alexia. Alexia. Alexia, yes. Alexia. That's, yeah. and, and we realize that that's his sister. Mm-hmm. And he talks about some of the things when they were young that she would take him on these adventures. And she was all, she always represented sort of adventure to him. Yes. Yes. And that, that this carriage and getting it fixed and heading up is going to be an adventure. So he thought that was a perfect name. You know what I thought right here immediately? Because he talks about his favorite sister who always took him out to explore, right? Yeah. And when he thought about her, he thought of adventure. I thought about Elixia. Who took the place of Elixia in his life? Janeway. Mm. Janeway is the female figure that takes him out to explore. He's and then Neelix has already said, Johnny Phillips has said, whenever I played any scenes with Janeway, I always played it as if I was in love with her. And he's in love with his sister, clearly, right? I mean, you're yes. you're gonna have love for your sister. So I always, you know, watching this scene, I, I just started thinking about that relationship. 
Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that came up for me. Yeah, it was a very sweet scene uh, with uh, Neelix and um, Lilius. Lilius. Yeah. Especially the bonding um, moment that happens after he tells her that he lost. He talks, yeah, he talks about losing his entire family. Uh, yeah. They were killed in a war Yeah, uh, back on his planet. And he also reveals to her that he speaks to them, each of them, every night. Right. That he tells them what he's been up to and mm -hmm. talks talks to them. Some great character development. And then really Lilius. Great. Yeah, Lilius then shares in turn. She says she does not even know if her sister is still alive. They were yeah. separa separated after the last asteroid uh, broke the apart, impact. the fragments, the impacts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then at this point, Tuvok sort of uh, breaks this wonderful bonding moment and character development moment by calling Neelix over to chastise him that he is wasting yeah. too much time on idle chit chat. Stop with talk. I was like, Tuvok, why are you being such a jerk? Exactly. Like, Neelix is <laughs> fixing every step of the way. He's been exactly. making the right call. Like, why are you being a jerk to him? Yeah, totally. I just, yeah. Totally. Um, and at this point, this is when L Lilius notices that Dr. Vadim is trying to launch the carriage by himself and he's locked everybody else out and yep. everyone's screaming and yelling and finally they get the door open. Tuvok runs in, Vulcan nerve pinches Dr. Vadim and they now realize that they have to launch immediately because the entire, wherever, the whole station is about to collapse. They've got yeah, to get because, out of there. Because Vadim tried to take this thing off before it was really quite ready. Right. It's now, you know, caused, the whole place is collapsing. Yeah, there's right. rocks falling. Um, it was kind of cool to see some mm. of that action going on. Yeah. Um, I love the Vulcan neck pinch. That was great. <laughs> Classic stuff. Um, and they start going up and it's yeah. a very rough rise up. Yeah. Um, and Neelix has uh, got a solution to try to stabilize it. Right. Because they're losing maglev cohesion. That's the that's the words we're looking maglev for. Maglev cohesion mm. is, is, yeah, is weakening. And uh, he's got to ba balance the power velocity. So the speed. Right. Where, yeah. you know they've got to find that perfect sort of balance of mm -hmm. speed and power mm -hmm. and they finally get the the cohesion stabilized 45 was the number 46 yeah, 40, 40 something 45. was the number right i think yeah. it was 45 or something. Mm -hmm. and i love when he says uh he sort of pats the con console the controls he pats it and he goes good girl elixia yeah i knew you could do it it was a very sweet moment yeah every time that um you know there's a sweet moment with neelix it is absolutely ruined by tuvok he jumps in and asks where the emergency containment grid is located now neelix is like uh him uh, not sure and this throws up the red flag for tuvok yeah and he walks over and says what is happening here and neelix neelix comes clean and says, I've only worked on models, not the real thing. And so yeah, we like now know. Yeah. It was, so was I kept thinking building like Neelix is a nerdy uh, miniature train. Like he's a train, you know, people that have that huge, their entire basement filled with uh, model trains, like a working model train thing. That's the yeah. image that I got that Neelix as a hobby was a model carriage builder. And yeah. he, yeah, yeah. of course he loved it and he did everything as realistic as possible, but he's never had any experience on the real thing. Yeah. So <laughs> Tuvok, is, Tuvok is completely beside himself, but there's nothing he can do. They're already on, they're already on their way. There's nothing you can do at this point. Yep. Um, Lilius is uh, about to throw Dr. Va uh, Vadim out the door. <laughs> and uh, I just want to say, we've talked about on this podcast before how difficult it is to pick up another human being for any shot, you know, we've, and that's happened a few times. Dakota yeah. picks up Janeway, you know, someone else picks up someone else. And it's very difficult. But in this scene, 
Lilius is one-handed dragging Dr. <laughs> Vedum toward the door. And I thought, mm -mm, no, that's not going to happen. It's no. very, it, you need Tuvok two hands. Yeah, Tuvok yeah. intercedes as well. And then we have this moment where Tuvok's like, uh, uh, why'd you try to launch? Without everyone why'd you try else? to launch? But he also has a fist grab moment that I thought was. Oh, that happens after the why do you try to launch, right? Yes. Because why'd you try to launch? Yeah. Happens. They, yeah. You know, Han Juan questions his authority. He says, who puts you in command? Right. Who puts you in command? They start to fight. Tuvok's like, you don't want to fight me. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a Vulcan. I've got superior strength. Yeah. And he goes for this punch and, and Tuvok grabs his fist. And then, and then the guy's like, you know, starting to fall. It just, Man, oh, I don't know. This was one moment where I was like, this feels so cheesy to me. There was a few uh, fighting moments in this and physical, yeah. some of the physicality that I just thought was, I just didn't like it. I didn't buy it. That's, this was one moment where it's like, I get, I get uh, that this is true, that Vulcans yeah. have this superior strength, but to just mm. sort of <laughs> grab his fist and then hold him there while he grimaces, was just, uh, it felt cheesy to me. When I was in college, I went on a summer program with all Chinese American students and we had to do a talent show. And so I wrote a skit and it was a cheesy, funny Kung Fu skit where I played an old Kung Fu master and someone tried to challenge my authority, just like this scene. And they try to take a swing at me and I catch their fist in midair. And I, yeah. and it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's a little you know, like larger than life and a little, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. a little goofy. Definitely. You know, it would have been different if, if he had thrown the thing and, and Tuvok had just gone whack, boom, and knocked him down or something yeah. like real but, fast. I, I, right. I would buy that, but just to hold it and then just keep holding it. And anyway, that was a goofy thing. <laughs> um, we go back on the, uh, the bridge and Paris calls in uh, and says, says uh, phone call only, yeah. no <laughs> shots of him. Uh, he said the he's the voice his, of Paris. That's right. He's on his third low altitude survey, no sign of our crew. And there's a big dust storm approaching. Yeah. And Harry says that it's there's now uh, another <laughs> asteroid coming, and it is two huge. hours. Yeah. This one is huge, mm -hmm. half a kilometer faster than the others, and two hours till impact. Yep. Hey man, you didn't have to go to work. That's the good thing. You didn't have to come know, to work to true. shoot a shot inside of your shuttle. You just had to go to looping with uh, you that's know right. your regular looping schedule and just throw that line in. So you actually had a, a little yeah, vacation. Yeah, it gave me a day off. <laughs> it did. Uh, we go back to the lift, to the carriage. Neelix is sweating, which is always interesting to see sweat on a prosthetic rubber head. <laughs> yes, uh, but I yes. thought it worked. It actually, yeah. it, it looked, it was well done because sometimes yeah. it can look, that can look cheesy too. Yep. So the oxygen is thinning in this mm -hmm. carriage and Tuvok is going around giving people shots to oxygenate their blood. Yeah. Uh, he, because he's Vulcan again, he's able to handle the thin, you know, this atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and and uh, somebody says... Uh, who is it that said, is that a needle or something? Was that squat? No. Needle? What? Yeah, he says Oh, yeah, yeah. About, I mean, he says gonna, he's afraid you, of needles. Like, yes, he's, is, this, is, this gonna, is this hypospray going to hurt? Like, he's afraid of the hypospray. And yes. Tuvok's like, no, no, it's just subdermal. It's your spine. Subdermal transfer. Says, I'm afraid of needles. needles. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought, love that little moment. Huh. It was, it was not necessary, but it was yeah. just a fun little, like, that would happen. Yeah, good. Yeah. So everyone is suffering from the initial stages of carbon dioxide poisoning. And so then all of a sudden, Dr. Vadim is trying to open the carriage door and he's mumbling something and, and he's, he's going like something you know, about the roof. Uh, roof, I have to go up there. And he falls to the ground and he goes into shock and he dies. 
Tuvok is scanning him and realize, wait a minute, he just didn't die of natural causes. He was poisoned by the coolant, by the coolant used in the tether couplings. So they don't know who it is, but then it becomes now this episode. Yeah, Yeah, now it becomes a whodunit kind of a mystery, right? Um, So we don't know who it is, and there really isn't time to deal with this. Uh, Tuvok says, we'll figure this out later. And again, Han Juan questions Tuvok's command. Um, Neelix comes up with this gut feeling moment that the carriage has yeah, to like, stop. We've, yeah, we've, we've got to stop. stop. We've got to go up on we've the roof. Got to go on the roof. Yeah, there's something and, up there. And uh, and it leads to a big argument with Tuvok mm. and a really great scene, by the way. Really good I scene. Thought, yeah, I thought um, Ethan Johnny Phillips did an amazing job with lots of big speeches here. Yes, he did. He said a bunch of good lines, like uh, he says to Tuvok at one one moment. He says, "You have no feelings for me." Mm-hmm. You have. He says something like, exactly, you have no feelings for me. You only have feelings Feelings against against me. me. I thought that was a great line. Yes, and then his Um, line before that, he says um, that Tuvok, you're filled with contempt and sarcasm and that you've been targeting all your hostility towards me. So Neelix is letting everything out now because typically he's he's bit his tongue this entire time for the seasons one, two, and part of three. Neelix has not said a word and now it's all coming out. Coming out. And he says at one point, which I thought was really important and, and well-delivered and written, he says, you know, you don't have any instincts, Tuvok. Mm-hmm. You don't have any gut feelings and yeah. you don't really understand people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that that's really important because Neelix is having, he goes off his gut all the time. Yeah. And um, because he's the only one who can drive this thing, yeah, he insists that someone go on the roof. That's his gut feeling. Right. And that trumps... Uh, Tuvok. There's nothing Tuvok can say to that because if they yeah. can't move, they're not gonna. They're not gonna escape. They're gonna die, basically, yeah. right? Um, and what's interesting is they now they're talking about he's the only one that can pilot the vessel. So I thought it was a carriage, right? So now they call the carriage a vessel. So back and forth, it's sort of like, what is this yeah. a carriage? Is it's it a an vessel? elevator, basically? Yeah, but they're they're calling it a, 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 almost like a ship in, in a yeah. way, right? And which is interesting because you know Neelix has already admitted that he just did models. He didn't right. really fly these things. No, like, I don't know, no. I don't know how qualified he is that you know maybe the other guys couldn't figure it out. But yeah, but Tuvok agrees to go on the roof, and he says mm-hmm. as he's leaving, he says. Uh, uh, somebody says, how do you know what to even look for? You don't even know what you're looking for. And he turns back, he goes, I'm looking for Mr. Neelix's instinct. Perhaps it will be marked. <laughs> Best <laughs> line of the episode. The first time we see Tuvok's sense of humor, there's yeah. something funny coming out of him, right? He's loosening up a little bit. Yep. And uh, yep. great line though, great line. Yeah. Um, we go out on the roof mm-hmm. and um, I, this must've been a green screen. I could, I could, see that you know they're blowing the wind and uh mm-hmm. this was shot on a on a set piece but with a big green screen behind it so that yep. the clouds and things are all back there right um up on the roof he finds a panel opens it up and finds this data storage device that doesn't match the rest of the technology mm-hmm. and he calls neelix and says he's found this alien uh tech up on the roof yep and uh, we see Sklar goes up onto the roof through the open hatch mm-hmm. and has a quick fight with Tuvok, surprises him, and throws Tuvok over the edge of this, this ship. And uh, yes, you forgot. And grabs his phaser. Tuvok loses his phaser. Yeah. And he goes over the edge of the ship. And we do see at the end of the scene that he's hanging on. He's grabbed a piece of the vessel on the side. Right. He's hanging on. So he's still 
still there, but very, very precarious. And, and don't forget what he did before that. He kicked Neelix off of the ladder yeah, to kicked, knock, knock him into right. like a concussion, basically, right? Yeah, and threw it, him and, off of a 10-foot right. ladder, you know, yeah. and Neelix goes flying through the air. Right. And, and the uh, the data storage yeah. device, uh, it has information about an alien starship. So that, that is another piece of, of information mm -hmm. that the audience gets at this point. But what I found so crazy is that when Sklar is on the roof fighting Tuvok, yeah. it's like... Another weak fight. Well, well no, it bothers me because Tuvok is so strong as a Vulcan. We already know that, that he's able to catch the big worker guy's hand the and overpower Mr. him. Right, the minor guy. But yet the nerdy exogeologist who clearly has never been in the gym, he takes him out like he's nothing. Uh, yeah. like Tuvok is literally a child and yeah. he can just throw him off like that. I, I, and yeah. that really bothered me. It was like, yeah, how the did Sklar get hot? Yeah, the so fights strong. in this episode, the fights and some of the physicality was very inconsistent. It didn't yeah. seem to all add up. I agree. Right. It was not a great fight. Yeah. Um, but they go back down and he tries to wake Neelix up and Neelix is out. He's and he's like, all right, we got to fly this ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we go to the bridge and they realize that um, um, they pull up on, on screen what they thought was the big asteroid that yeah. was coming in much faster. Yeah. But it's not an asteroid. It's it a starship. A yeah. It's a starship. Weapons are ready, mm -hmm. and they must have. I think uh, Chakotay says they must have remodulated their seal shields to fool our sensors. That's so right. They were pretending to be an, an asteroid. asteroid, right? So they're hailed by the alien captain, and I wrote down. <laughs> he says that we are from the Itanian order, but as I wrote Itanian, it autocorrected to Iranian. So it well, says it's funny. <laughs> mine autocorrected to Arabian. <laughs> I did the so same I, Yeah, you, you have the Arabian order. I have the Iranian order. Yes. <laughs> the Pahlavi Iranian order. So the Itanian order claims they this, claim this territory. territory. Yeah. You must withdraw, right? James yeah, like, says, no, this eh. is the Nizu planet. Yep. And they have five colonies here and they're yeah. our friends. Right. Uh, but the aliens are like, uh, nope, we claim it. And they threaten Voyager. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, uh, you know, you're not Nizu, and uh, these are and friends you're, gonna, you're willing to die for. Yes, you're going to die for your friends. Exactly. And they disappear, and mm -hmm. uh, 10 minutes till they'll be there, we realize. And right. Janeway says, battle stations. Mm -hmm. Bum, Dun, dun, dun. Back in the carriage we go, Neelix wakes up, and he's got red blood. And I got a question about that. Did he yeah. have red blood? I, I, I made the same note. I'm like, wait a minute. I feel Is it Talaxium? Like I thought he had a different color blood before. I thought he did too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, blue so, or green yeah, or something. Oh no. Um, He's got red blood. I have blood, a question mark. Yeah, he has red blood. Um, oh, and the thing is, we, make note that there's a fight going on, a verbal fight between Sklar and the other two Nizu, right? They're just yeah. Sort there was of a lot of like off-camera dialogue in this. Tons of off-camera dialogue, right? Yeah, but a that's lot the of only reason going on. Hmm. Yeah, but that's the setup for for Neelix to be to be able to wake up and be he unnoticed. Up, you know, they by don't the see others. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're busy arguing. Uh, yep. He looks at the window. He sees. He sees Tuvok out the window, and while right. they're arguing, he opens that door. Right. And it leads to with a wide open door and, uh, you know, the wind and the atmosphere <laughs> and all that, and no oxygen. They have a big giant fight. And this yes. is where I was like, I just didn't buy the physicality of it. No. I didn't buy, like, the, the no. you know, the air pressure would be sucking everybody out yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, where did the data storage device go? It's still inside the carriage, right? Because remember, I, I guess, it got sucked yeah. out of the guy's hand, right? Yeah. Um, 
And then it's just, if, when I saw Tuvok outside the window, I kept thinking about William Shatner in um, the Twilight Zone when he's on the oh, plane yeah. and he's looking out the window and sees the gargoyle, right? Yeah, and yeah, no yeah. one believes him. And so I, that came to my mind. But um, yeah, so that fight was ridiculous because- The fight was pretty goofy. <laughs> Uh, just watching that and I don't know what they were doing that the final scene where Sklar falls to his death it's sort of was that on was that a I don't even know it, it almost looked like C he was CGI like he yeah, was a, I think it was Sklar a CG got CGI'd right yeah he was okay. CGI'd all right it wasn't great it wasn't great vis effects on that I guess yeah so. it almost looked like stop animation photography kind of like yeah. old school <laughs> Ray Harryhausen kind of yeah it was like yeah. huh so, yeah there's no yeah. there's no movement to him or anything mm, it was just no terrible. Static, yeah, you know, and uh, even when Tim, when Tuvok comes in out of the outside, when he stumbles in, that's also CGI Tuvok. I think it's very. No. Wasn't he I very like? Er, er, no. Yeah, no, that wasn't CGI, but it was not great physicality. I think that they should have, you know, he should have been by the side and grabbing. I don't know. I would have done yeah. that differently with mm -hmm. with really playing the air pressure and the wind right. and the, all of right. those elements. It just felt like it was very awkward. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Tuvok tries to help Neelix here. He says, he, you do have a concussion, but I'm not familiar with Talaxian, uh, you know, um, medical stuff. And so I can't help you. Mm -hmm. um, but Tuvok says, we need you. And uh, to operate the carriage, you're the only one that can the, do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and Neelix very heroically, you know, he, he's not sure. And Tuvok says, do it for Elixia. She would right. be proud of you. And after he says that, Neelix is like, okay. That works. He that gets him up. up. He can do gets it. Gets him up. Mm -hmm. We go back to the bridge, and there's a battle going on. Bam, yeah. bam, 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 bam. Lots and of. Uh, we're losing. We're losing. Our shields are going lower and lower, and our weapons are doing nothing to mm -hmm. these uh, to this alien starship. Um, at this point, the maglev carriage actually rises above the ionosphere. Now Nilix has to put the brakes on, so he stabilizes the carriage by engaging the induction dampers, and. Um, then they we were did see a CG shot out in space. We saw a CG shot of the tether and the carriage, mm -hmm. and it just it didn't look good. Again, I just felt like it looked kind of like animation. It didn't look well. I, I like that shot better than Sklar falling out of the carriage shot. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I thought it, both it, those shots were a bit compromised just by the okay. technology that we had at the time. Yeah, for the that's they true. Just weren't they were okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they make it and Neelix and Lilia's hug, which was very sweet. Yeah. She's smiling. Um, and then <laughs> Tuvok gets a hug from, uh, is it Hanjuan? Hanjuan. Hanjuan. Yeah. Yes, which I thought was very funny. So the two <laughs> hugs happen. They've made it uh, into range that they can be transported. And yeah. so we cut back to the bridge and Tuvok is now stepping onto the bridge. And he said the data... The data pad has all the info they need about their weapon systems, right. all of that. And so they, uh, they input that data, they take that data and use it to beat the ship and they defeat these, these, uh, these bad guys. Okay, did it bother you that there's no evasive maneuvers whatsoever? in this battle both starships are just stationary just firing at each other it's yeah, like it was hey, a little this yeah. is, is this 1850 is this the spanish armada versus the english armada uh, yeah. fleet uh this is really kind of bizarre there's no movement whatsoever yeah, it was pretty so, simplistic yeah i think they just wanted to get through the battle get to the point where we get the data we need to be able to you know tie everything up right we go to mess hall now right yes okay yes. 
Um, and it's, it's the conversation between Lilius and Neelix and Neelix is explaining everything to Lilius, um, explaining how Sklar was basically an agent for the yep. Italian empire order or whatever. Right. And that, yep. um, he was, and the way that they invade the mm. way that these bad guys, the Italian, the Italian order invades different places is yeah. unique. They create this false natural disaster, like yeah. this asteroid shower mm -hmm. um and after the people have evacuated the planet or the settlement or the colony mm -hmm. where they're at yep. then the Atanian order shows up and they it's easy because now yeah. it's, everybody's left because they thought it was this natural disaster when exactly. it wasn't it's all man-made exactly um, and, and that's tuvok, when yes tuvok, tuvok enters mm -hmm. and he tells lilius that they found her sister and she's very really and what was her name i can't remember hala Oh. And what is challah in the in the world of Judaism? It's bread is what it is. It's the egg bread. Yeah, yeah that you eat on is. Shabbat dinner on Okay, there you go. So nice. uh the challah, the egg bread has been found and yes. uh <laughs> so basically um Tuvok then tells Neelix that he's filed his report and he's given Neelix a special commendation for his endurance and bravery, which is huge for Neelix because yeah, oh, the whole yeah. first, uh, the first two and a half, uh, almost you know, three seasons worth of episodes. There's, there's no, uh, there's no commendation or praise for anything yeah. that Neelix yeah. does. It's always been very salty, salty type of interactions and dismissive. Just no, like this uh, is huge, yeah, a huge turnaround. Mm -hmm. And but they can't leave it at that because then, then you know. Tuvok has to comment a little more and then Neelix is like, you know, you always have to have the last word. And Tuvok's like, no, I don't have to have the last word. And Neelix is like, there, see what I mean? You do. And then he walks around the corner and he pops out and and uh, and it's very funny because we end on, on Tuvok sort of yelling around the corner, no, I do not. Yeah. And uh, that's the end of our, uh, our little adventure of Rise. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. There was a lot of fun stuff in it. What was your, I, well, here's my theme. Yeah. My theme, my takeaway, my lesson for this episode is to, to always remember, don't underestimate people. Don't underestimate people. People are capable of more than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that's, a, that's the lesson I learned from Neelix in this mm -hmm. episode was, you know, no, no one really thought the doctor didn't think he was there to do any work. Tuvok didn't think he was there to do anything. Even with his lack of experience and maybe stretching his credentials a bit, he still was the one that, that became very heroic and solved problems. And, uh, and he was underestimated every step of the way, but he came through. So hmm. don't underestimate people. Okay. I'm yeah. going to say um, my lesson is that Vulcan logic has its merits but you really need to trust your gut or your instinct, gut slash instinct. You need to listen to that because your gut can tell you things that your head can't figure out. <laughs> so yeah. that's one thing. But I also felt like, so Tuvok has this great line. He says, it is illogical to dwell on situations beyond your control. It will only serve to heighten your anxiety. And this, this lesson is for all the worry warts out there. There are so many people that think about future possibilities, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, this might happen to me. So I need to freak out now. <laughs> and it's sort of like, yep. wait a minute, you're freaking about freaking out about a potential 
reality that may not come true. I mean, this is crazy. So, uh, and that was when Sklar was saying, well, we're going to suffocate, you know, inside this carriage, we're not going to have enough oxygen. Right. And so that was one of the, that was one of the lessons that I also uh, got from this episode. And then the final lesson, one other lesson was just how Neelix dealt with Lilius. Lilius came at Neelix with violence. Neelix, Neelix responded not with violence, but with empathy, with love, with collaboration, with peacefulness, with calmness. And that is what this world needs. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if you, yeah. if you're, if it's constantly going to be, we, we do this to you and now, okay. And then they do this back to us. And then we do this to them. It, it'll never end. Mm-hmm. It'll never end. Conflict, conflict, world conflict can end if everyone takes this lesson from Neelix and yeah. responds to violence with That's love. That's a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Well, that was a fun episode to recap. Yes, it was. It was yeah. fun. It was a lot of fun for you and I, even though we didn't have very much to do. But mm-hmm. I do know a couple of people who had a lot to do in this episode. Yeah. And hmm. I think I think we should maybe talk to them and get a get some of their memories and thoughts about it. Well, basically, guys, we have a special treat for you. We have both Tim Russ and John Ethan Phillips here to talk about their participation in this episode, Rise. All right, guys, guess who we have with us? Tuvok and Neelix, Tim Russ and John Ethan Phillips are here. And then we have two thirds of the Voyager boys dinner right here. Oh Four yeah, we of us. We're missing look at this. Cote and we're missing uh, Picardo. So we're missing Picardo wow. and Beltran, but we have two thirds of the Voyager men's dinner, which yeah, we had this... every month, practically gentlemen, for 12, 13 years, I think after we, the show ended. We had ended. a lot of dinners. Yeah, that oh, was a lot of Oh, so fun. much fun, so much yeah. fun. And what do we do at dinner? We ate good food, we drank good beverages and we laughed our butts off, yes, which is did. what we've already been doing before we started recording this. So welcome, Tim and John Ethan. Thank you so much guys for joining us. It's great to be here. Yeah. Okay. Rise. Both of you watched the episode. I take it. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't watch it recently. I watched it not too long ago. Actually. Okay. Uh, and okay. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Uh, about, uh, oh, wait a minute. Six months right. ago. Yeah. All right. Fun. It was, yeah. It was, a, it was a fun episode. Still, actually, one of the ones that I like out of the ones out of all the ones we did. I actually like that one a lot. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I why did you Why did you like it so much? Um, I liked it because number one. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a murder mystery. And I, I dig the heck out of that uh, yeah. as far as the concept goes. And the fact that we were doing this sort of maglev thing that was going into space, this elevator thing we're all on. And it's like a, it's like a pressure cooker, that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my being able to work with Johnny in that capacity, the way our characters interact with each other was totally different than anything we had done on any other episode. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's always been it, most of the episode. You know, was he's doing something, and I just get mildly annoyed with him. And that <laughs> we were nose to nose. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was a it was a real um, I, I think important um, character uh, development a show for Tim and I for Tupac yeah. and Neelix. And, and we had a we had a real uh, standoff, but I think we came to an understanding each other. Oh, I think you had a breakthrough. I think. I think your characters had a breakthrough. It was a breakthrough yeah. episode so for you guys. You're absolutely right. Every Tuvok Neelix interaction up until this point are just appetizers. Yeah, and now just... this episode, this is the entree. This is finally the entree. You get to see something of, you know, of some weight yeah. here. 
no? Yeah, yeah. And it's a, that one scene where we're just, you know, it, it's a standoff between the two of us. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and none of us, neither one of us are giving ground. You know, mm -hmm. no, no, until the very end, and my character actually gives ground, which he does because he he understands that I was I felt disrespected. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. and then you you're able to acknowledge that and yeah. admit it, which is a powerful moment. That's very powerful moment. Um, yeah. Oh, that was very cool. It was another cool. weird thing I remember about that episode is, correct me if I'm wrong, but was there a character called Sklar? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's when I started riffing about how they come up with names for these aliens, you know, and, you know, Sklar, Clornic, Blackfeet, pretty soon, you know, they're going to just throw something on the ground. They're going to call them. And then, but finally, they're going to run our names. We're going to have aliens named Kevin. You know, and this is Larry from uh, the Patigian galaxy. You know, yeah, they, they, had, they had Sklar. They had the Nizus. The Nizu. They uh, had Hanjuan, which is the uh, minor Han guy, Han, which sounds Korean to me. Hanjuan. Right, and, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Lilius, Lilius. That was the only kind of Lilius. normal name. Female, Lilius. Well, my, one of my favorite was the one on, on the first one you directed, the Trabe. <laughs> trabe. I think I think what they what they do is they just go to a map and throw a dart and whatever country that is they just go there and 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 bring yeah. up what names are in this country and then they just right. take names and, and see them up there going through phone books from Singapore you know yeah <laughs> some of the stuff I I loved about um like speaking of names is uh, Neelix talks about his sister and his family in this episode and he talks yeah. about yeah yeah he names the carriage after his sister who. Yeah. He tells some stories when he was a young kid, how his sister would take him on these adventures and he thinks of her as she represents adventure to him. So let's right. name it Elixia. That's her name, Elixia. Right. You know, the thing was, is uh, Jerry Taylor, she, you know, she wrote a book about the origins of, about Kate, I forget what it was called, but it was one of the, oh, and, yeah. but she wanted to have um, Neelix's backstory. So she used uh, some of my own, you know, cause I have five sisters. Yeah. So she, she gave Neelix like five sisters. And uh, that's oh. how that got in there. Wow. She decided to use that for my background, yeah. I was wondering about that when, when I was listening to your performance in that speech, I wondered if you had had conversations with the writers about your family. Could you talk so authentically about your feelings about your sister and, you know, Neelix did. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was just such a great performance and very moving. Oh, thanks, Robbie, thank you. Emotional and authentic you, and vulnerable. It was great. Oh. It was a number of those moments, John. Yeah. That I think with this uh, guest guest star who played Lilius, you were really you know she grabs you with a knife, and she grabs Neelix right. with a knife in the beginning, and you calm her down by right. just yeah. by just saying I get it like you're very empathetic yeah. and you're very mm -hmm, mm -hmm, everything mm -hmm. combative that she said to you you turned into understanding and connection and well when they wrote towards those aspects of Neelix it was it was uh, nice to play when they when they did things like jealousy. Uh, and, and think I, I thought it kind of went against his character, but I mean, not that we can't all have different aspects of ourselves, but um, when they wrote towards his empathetic nature, uh, it was it was fun to play that, you know, because it was needier than just plain whatever, anger or something yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. Um, How many times did they ever have characters talking about their families on this show? There's, it wasn't too often. Not often, no. Well, you did, didn't, didn't you, Robbie? You talked about it a little. I talked uh, my about, dad, dad. about my dad a little bit, yeah. Right. That came right. up a few times. I had a wife and kids, and I almost never ever oh, right. mentioned them. Tapel, right? Isn't Tapel your wife? Yeah, right? I had yeah. two children, and I never really mentioned them. I never... No, you didn't. 
Then I made this weird connection, Johnny, that, you know, you're talking about Alexia, your sister being the one that brought you, that always took you to explore. All right. And then I thought, huh, in a way, like Janeway is, is the new Alexia because she, Janeway is taking Neelix around to explore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I brought up the fact that you have mentioned to us that whenever you played scenes with Janeway, you always played it as if Neelix was in love with Janeway. Yeah, you know, that yeah. has, has it has this love for her like that, a deep yeah. love. And that deep love for your sister is kind of transferred mm -hmm. onto mm -hmm. Kate in a way or, or Janeway. So that's that's something that I pulled out of that. Yeah, that's interesting. That, yeah. That's true, Garrett. You're right. Yeah, it was uh, some lovely stuff in there. Yeah. Can what I just show you? What season I, is that? I'm just curious. What season? Season three. Season oh, three. Okay. Second yeah. second half of season three. Okay. Yeah. Back half. And God, what you... I just what I just love so much about Neelix is that you you had the freedom to really to really just pump it up in terms of how you decided to deliver a line, whereas mm -hmm. us human characters were were relegated to being very militaristic. I remember the first season. You know, uh, the first time he was handed something to eat, I, he somebody gave him some potatoes, mashed potatoes, and I just started eating it with my tongue. I said, cut. I said, what are you doing? That's how Tlaxians eat, you know? But they said, no. And then that's when they explained to me, he's just a guy with rubber, basically. <laughs> he's a humanoid. Yeah. Do you guys remember the director, Robert Shearer? Do you remember? remember. We don't. I, I do. You do? Tell us. Tell us what you remember of Robert Shearer. I just remember the name. I don't remember. I don't remember his personality. Was Shearer the one that had the... Uh, Australian sort of hat. One of them wore a, almost like a base, not a cowboy kind of hat, but it was leather or something. Was that? That's Shira? no, was that's that Cliff, uh, that's Cliff Ball. Cliff Ball. Ah, Cliff Ball yeah. yeah. I remember Shearer mainly because he was very quiet and very. Um, he was not a conversationalist. He 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 was kind of not aloof or anything. He was friendly and everything, but he was a, a quiet dude. And I remember he mm. he didn't gave very little direction. He was very happy with everything that's done and and uh, very efficient. But I think we only used him once or twice, if I'm correct. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I remember the name. That's all. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. It's but it's interesting. You say he was quiet, Johnny, because that makes sense to me. Because I don't remember him at yeah. all. Mm -hmm. Garrett yeah. doesn't remember him. The name is familiar, Tim, like you said to me. But sure. but if he were that quiet and kind of, you know, uh, the the personalities I remember, people like Cliff Bowl. He had a big personality. Yeah, Bowl was great. He Rick was great. Colby. Yeah. You know, right. Rick, Rick Colby, uh, Alan. I loved that. Jesus Trevino was, was that his name? Yeah, I, liked I really, him. I liked him a lot. Yeah. He was a sweet guy. And you know, the, and Robbie brought up during the recap because both of us couldn't remember even what Robert Shearer looked like. And he said he was probably not very outspoken. He was probably more quiet. And yeah, he was. He was yeah. just guessing that, and he was right because you remember that Johnny. This guy didn't didn't give a lot of direction, yeah. right? So he was almost like a a fly on the wall director, which right. is rare. Like we're used to people saying like, "Come on, Robbie, you're the one that wants to go home." But, now, who was you know, the guy who said that? Who was the director? Who said that was that? Jim Conway. Jim, Jim Conway. <laughs> Come on, Robbie, you're the one with the flannel lunchbox. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we used to just, we did that bit yeah, for you, months. You, you would make up so many random other fill in the blank reasons. Oh, like, come God. on, Robbie, you're the one that go, wants to buy Girl Scout cookies. You would just make up random stuff. <laughs> come on, Robbie, you're the one in love with nursing bras. Let's go. You know, whatever the hell we come to your yeah. head, you know? Who was, who was the older guy, uh, sort of short with glasses, horn rim glass, black horn rim glasses, and he had, you know, his basic gray hair, and he would just sort of, and he had like he'd have a fanny pack or whatever and walk around. God damn, what was his name? Alex. Alex Singer. Not, um, Alex, Singer? Uh, Alex Singer. 
It might have been Singer. Was it Singer? Yeah, yeah. Older dude. Did he talk like this? Did he yeah, say Tim? You're an old cat. He's kind of short. And he... I remember Alex, Alex Singer. I think Alex that's Singer. Alex. I think that's Alex. Alex had a qu quite a bit of a career, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge, yeah. I think it was Alex. He's still alive now, too. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Shearer passed away in 2018. So he, he left us three Colby years ago. died years ago. Yeah. Colby died years ago. Um, who's the other director that passed away? Um, Ball, right? Cliff, Cliff Ball, Ball yeah. passed away too. He passed yeah. away? Mm -hmm. He was a young, he, well, I guess he seemed young. I remember he was getting out of the business when he directed one of those yeah. shows. He stood That's my last. about to leave the business, yes. Yeah. yeah. Tim, when you're thrown off of the uh, carriage and you're hanging off the... Um, side of it right well we think you're dead but you're not you're still you're still alive uh shot on stage 16 green screen on, everything yeah. it was on right? 16. yeah they had to build it because they built the whole carriage set yeah there. and uh and yeah we're hanging off the side of that thing um uh to do it yeah that was all that was all very cool stuff man again i that i i really enjoyed that episode because we got to do some really interesting things some cool stuff stuff you don't get a chance to do that often yeah. at all Right. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And those are rare, rare opportunities. How often do you think you watched episodes? I can tell you right now, I've seen about 15 of them. 15 <laughs> and that's, it? that's I, it? I have to agree with Johnny. I think maybe I've seen 15 or 20. Wow. At, at the most. R Robbie, before you started doing this podcast, how many had you seen? Would you guess? Three. Would you say three? No. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Honestly, I, I, I bet I could count on two hands how many I saw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, it's hardly any. Yeah. Well, I made up for all of you guys. I think of the ones, let's say we did 172, whatever the number is. I mm -hmm. think I saw 169 of the episodes really? when wow. they aired. Yes. I, I made it a point. I said, I'm going to watch it in my, if I was working, I would watch it as it aired live in my trailer. I would really? watch it. Oh, yeah. Um, when we were making them, we were so busy. The, the hours yeah. and days were so long and we were so immersed in making it. Yeah. yeah. And we we were watching each other do the scenes and we read the script. To me, it seemed, uh, you know, yeah. logical <laughs> to then <laughs> sit down and watch it. I got to say, um, you know, I hadn't watched a lot of episodes before Garrett and I started doing this kind of rewatch thing a little over a year ago. And now we're in halfway through season three. Right. Um, and I got to say, like, I have really been impressed with each and every one of us in different episodes. I've been mm -hmm. impressed with the series as a whole. I mean, yeah, th I, there's definitely some episodes that I think are duds and, mm -hmm. and we talk about it and I'll give my thoughts or opinions on that when I feel it. But I've been surprised at how many have really moved me. Yeah. And how many have really made me think and, um, and how impressed I am with each of our, our castmates and, and some of the great work they did. And mm -hmm. it's a good show. Like we made it. Is it a popular show? I mean, in terms of, you know, the, the, the history of the, the franchise, is Voyager considered to be? Voyager is probably right up there at the, at the top. It's it not, is? Yeah, top two or three, because, because we had a show that our concept of our show went back to the original series. We were, we were exploring uncharted space. Right. So we could do anything we wanted for our episodes. We weren't we weren't tied into um, the lore and the characters that had already been established and all right. these things and and the politics. You know, we mm -hmm. weren't tied into any of that. We could mm -hmm. do anything we wanted. Yeah. So we could come up with really, you know, it's almost like a serial in a sense because uh, right. because each one of the stories could be is, was completely different. I mean, entirely different yeah. civilizations and circumstances every week almost. And, and uh, I think that what people, my reaction, the people, people that have talked to me about it said, yeah, 
they really like ours compared to DS9 or something else because of just the fact that we we could do anything we wanted. And and our circumstance was was one of it was a desperate circumstance. I mean, it was yeah. you know, it's basically being marooned in a in a in a part of the galaxy that no one's ever been to before. So it was fascinating. Right. Right. I think some stats came out, Johnny, where they said that Netflix UK they were talking about of all the Star Trek that's been streamed episodes that the top five of the top five Star Trek episodes streamed on Netflix in England, um, three or four of the top five are Voyager episodes. Really? Yeah, over over original series, wow. over TNG, over DS9. It's wow. just an enterprise. It's like my ours God, is, Voyager. Is ours is really up there out of all. That's of nice them. to hear. That's nice yeah. to know. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. just a concept. Yeah. They uh, they really their concept of putting it in that part of the galaxy where nothing else is there but us, and we're yeah. in a lifeboat, man, and we have to rely on each other to survive without yeah. any help. No tether to the to the uh, uh, to the to home base. No mm -hmm. nothing, and we're on our own. And that's man, that's right there. You're driving a lot of a lot of drama just in that concept alone. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're right, Tim. That. Um, you know, when you talk about the serialized quality and the, you know, kind of wide open possibilities of plots and stories, yeah. that's absolutely true. I wonder if, you know, one thing about this episode that was so interesting is how your relationship is with, with Tuvok and Neelix had a breakthrough. And that only feels like a breakthrough in the context of three seasons so far. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. they've built up a certain pattern and now they're going to break through into a new place. Right. So it's not really a standalone moment. It's 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 it only is valuable in the context of that journey. Yes. Mm -hmm. How did you guys feel about like the writing of the show or your characters? This episode had a quality of kind of breaking through a pattern in the series. Did you feel like the writers, you know, kind of tracked your growth and change, or do you feel like it was just? Yeah, kind of, I yeah. think they knew that we we had a, a an antagonistic. Uh, uh, dynamic going on and uh, they just pumped it up pumped up the volume and then finally gave it uh, like you said a breakthrough moment yeah i thought they did a, a good job yeah yeah because because uh that's the i mean one thing you know uh, talking about it in terms of it of, of being a serial context the only thing that's not a serial in terms of all the the episodes is the is the relationship between all the characters on the ship that yeah that you have to you can't just tune in at you know middle midway through the series and and figure out what's going on when those relationships yeah. have already been established. The only yeah. thing you're getting on those serial sort of sense is the what the story's about on that particular episode. Right. Yeah. Honoring the this alien race or that alien race. But yes, the relationships are in a tether. They're in a long sort of thread that that you have to you have to kind of catch up on or we have to be aware of how things are working. So if somebody mm -hmm. just tunes into the one episode of Rise, there is something they can get out of it simply because the two of us are debating and discussing you know, certain things, decisions we have to make on this, in this circumstance mm -hmm. that might save our lives or solve the problem. And, and at the same time, you know, the contentious aspect of it comes out. So if somebody sees that, I think they could get something out of it without having too much of a backstory, just because, because yeah. of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But if you've been watching the show all the way up to that point. You it's know, more impactful. Yeah. Then it changes dramatically because man, we, I mean, we just go nose to nose, um, again in that yeah. one moment uh about i think you 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 watched it the same time i did tim because i remember i think i told you i said you got to check this out uh because i had never seen it and somebody 
told me they had seen it or something and about six yeah. months ago or something. I watched it and yeah. I think I texted you. I said, listen, buddy, this is a great show for you and I. Let's watch you should watch it. I think that's what prompted you. I might have prompted you. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's one of the it's one I said I've only seen a few episodes of, of Voyager. That's one of the ones that I had actually seen before. That's one of the ones oh, okay. I watched before because I really just I just loved the uh, the, the, the the circumstance. I loved the fact that we were on this thing. And and that that we were trying to solve this issue. There was a criminal amongst us, and I and and yeah. we had to yeah, solve the problem. But at the same time, you know, our lives are in danger, and 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 you mm -hmm. and I, you know, have yeah. the, have this moment, and we haven't had that moment anywhere else on any other episode like that. No, and but it, it 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 you know, and then they followed through with it uh, to my pen the penultimate episode where I leave, and you and I have that yes. and incredible I moment. But I look back on it when I see a show like, uh, I go, I'm amazed at, I mean, I couldn't do that stuff now at my age. I couldn't wear that makeup for 16 hours a day. Right. I literally couldn't physically do it. I did a big makeup job about 10 years ago, um, a, some sci-fi show where I, I, I played an alien and I had, um, it was a five hour makeup job. Wow. And uh, it was an exquisite looking makeup, but I couldn't wear it more than I had to get out of it after five hours. It was it was so suffocating. Wow. And uh, you know, I to deal with that kind of those prosthetics, I think you have to be uh, young and you can't be a spry old guy and do it. Uh -huh. uh, it's it's too hard. Yeah. The hours. It's the hours we were there for so long. So long. I agree with I agree with you, Johnny. And you know, if if somebody offered me a role that required all that, I would I probably I might very well decline it. Just yeah. Know. I'm just not sitting in that chair for three and a half, four hours, whatever a day. It's hard. And, and they're using a lot of, to my understanding, they're using mm -hmm. a lot of silicone now, which I've also used in an, an episode of a show called Caveman. I remember Caveman. It was, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I played a character in that. And that was a three or four hour makeup. And with silicone, they, they, they glue the face and they glue the prosthetic. And the removal is really complicated. Wow. But it has the advantage of, of looking exactly like flesh and moving like flesh yeah. and being lit like flesh so it's it's a much more effective makeup but again it's 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 too too timely uh two wow. timelines it's just oof yeah you guys recall anything with um the guest stars in this particular episode that played lilius um han Juan, and sklar any any interesting moments or funny things that happened anything with these guys? Yeah, those guys were actually very good i remember that they were they were very good they were very professional um, I remember they were nice people. <laughs> did 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 what was I wonder what the I wonder how Rise rated amongst fans because um, I had heard, yeah. heard conflicting things about that episode that people not 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 the fans weren't all that that jazzed about that episode. I'm not sure. If, okay. well, the, Tim, at least they don't hate it as much as Threshold. <laughs> you, you know, no matter what. No one's episode is going to get hated more than the one that Tom Paris did when Threshold, when he turned into a lizard. Oh, that is right. the most hated episode. And had babies with Janeway Lizard. And had babies with Janeway Lizard. And I got to say, like, I, I felt about Threshold, I had so much fun doing that episode, acting in it. Uh, I got to do things that I never get to do as an actor in terms of, like, character work and size and getting big and dramatic and chewing scenery it was a blast you know is it a good episode probably not not because not because like it's the story in the writing so uh i think that was that is the problem that's what people you know i don't feel like what i did in the episode was oh it's it's i think yeah 
uh, 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 not I'm blaming the writers, but um, you're gonna have you're gonna have man, you're gonna, you're gonna have, have duds. You know, just, yeah. Every series, I don't care where it is or what it is, they're gonna have dogs. Yeah. yeah. Gonna have head scratchers and dogs, you know. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every single series, forgettable. Yeah. Man, why do they bother to do that episode? You know. Right. Uh, and yeah. then you can have series where every episode's a dog, and you wonder why did they do the series? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and and then you have to wonder why are you watching every episode of? Yeah. Dog? And then you have to wonder why are you even here? I mean, <laughs> you have to wonder why am I wondering about all these things? Yeah. Why I'm I'm watching those. <laughs> Hey, uh, Johnny, one thing that Robbie and I uh, brought up when we were doing our recap was when we first see you, when you come into sickbay, um, you've not too long ago broken up with Kess and there almost seems like there is no tracking of what's going on between those two characters. You know absolute, what I'm that, that, that was an absolute afterthought. Um, yeah. You know, we did do a scene where we both acknowledged that we're not a couple anymore. Really? We, shot, we shot it in the science lab which was a set we didn't use often. Okay. And uh, and Kess and I had a had a closure conversation where I said, you know, and we said we want to be friends now and blah blah blah. And it was it was quite a nice tag to the relationship. And they never aired it. No wow. way. And that was part of uh, the other ep a prior episode, is what? You're yeah, saying? but probably. I mean, I don't know, but but it definitely it was uh, in season three. Yeah. I don't care remember what episode it was, but it was it was a very good scene. It was yeah. a, it was a, easily a six or seven page scene, where we 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 track what happened to us and what we what? think might have caused the split, but that we want to stay friends and blah blah blah. And it was it was really wow. I hate that word closure, but it was real nice closure. Yeah, and but. Then it's too bad oh, that but they omitting didn't. yeah omitting that literally is such a disservice it's so confusing to the neelix and kess fans out there right because they want to know what happened and they just completely brush that off and not yeah. even show that that interaction mm -hmm. and they filmed it a six pager so mm -hmm. annoying and so it was a, and it was a beautifully written scene i have to tell you did you yeah, find out cool. why they omitted it did you ever ask a no, question about that i no. never found out i guess they uh I mean, I don't even know why they didn't maybe use it in another episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, because it was a standalone scene. Sure. Um, but right. I guess they just, they just moved on. You know, seven pages likely. Oh, it was they, just time. They cut it for time. And yeah. And uh, oh, they, they cut it for time, definitely. They yeah. Cut it for time, and they probably couldn't have. They could have. You know, I don't even know if they had time to maybe were able to to edit it down. You know, just mm -hmm. down and editing just to just to get to the meat of it and get out. Yeah. But probably yeah. Didn't have time to do that. You know. Also, they, I don't think that uh, the the producers and and showrunners uh, of our show valued those kind of relationship stories. They really wanted like mm -hmm. standalone sci-fi concepts. Let mm -hmm. them play out. They didn't mm -hmm. want to deal with long-term relationship consistency or continuity. Mm -hmm. There was very very little of it. I mean, I, I guess Tom and Bolana got a little bit of that uh, in later seasons, but. But right. you know, Garrett and I've even talked about the uh, Chakotay Janeway relationship mm -hmm. and how, you know, yeah, that petered out. It whiplash yeah. too. It's like yeah. one episode they have a relationship, then the next episode they don't, then they do again, then they don't, then they do. Mm -hmm. You're like, which is it? It's yeah. just. But I think what it was was it was if it was convenient to play that quality in an episode, they would do it. If it mm -hmm. wasn't, they wouldn't. Yeah. And I think that's right. probably what happened with the Kess and Neelix yeah. thing. They were just like. Yeah. That's not well, a that high was, value to us. There was a lot of ambiguity about that relationship to begin with. Yeah. Was it platonic? Was it romantic? Um, 
and it was shaky, you know, just the, 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 the optics, you know, I'm an older guy and here's this very young girl yeah. who's ostensibly two years old in her race. Yeah. And I don't think the, 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 the whole, I think they didn't, they weren't sure how to handle it so yeah. much. And so I think maybe they, it ended, let's just move on and maybe they'll forget about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt strange in this episode because there was only one cross, one little scene and mm-hmm. there was no acknowledgement of, yeah, yeah. of it. You know, there was no reference to it or anything like that. Tim, you asked, uh, what do the fans think of this episode? Uh, I got a couple things. On Wikipedia, it gets a 7.3 out of 10. 7.3 out of 10. Is that good? That's good, right? That's pretty good. good. Right? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's On great. Uh, IMDb, it looks like we've got a 6.8 out of 10. Excellent. On uh, Jammer's v- Reviews, um, this has a 1.5 out of 5. Oh, that's not, that's not, not as strong. Wow. When this episode, I'm just kind of looking at the headlines. Okay. When this episode aired, it had 4.6 million viewers, seven share uh, of the network viewers at the time. That's a huge number. Like these yeah. days, there are shows that run for years that get less than a million views, a million, you know, first three, really? three days. And wow. we, had, we had almost 5 million people watch this episode. Wow. Mm. All right, um, ladies and gentlemen, we're so happy to have had the two aliens that mean the most to us. <laughs> we're so happy that they joined us. So thanks again, thank Tim Russ. Thank you guys so Johnny much. Phillips. Thank you All so right. much. Great to see you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Sometime soon. Take care, everybody. See Have you later, you guys. See you guys. Bye. Love you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Well, that was absolutely a blast having our two co-workers join us. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in this week. Tune in next week when Robbie and I discuss Favorite Son, the big Ensign Kim episode. Ooh, I didn't realize. (laughs) That's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. All All right. right. And for all of our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for all of your bonus material. Thanks, guys. Thanks.